0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to Happy Sad Talk Thing. It's your boy Mack, and I am just hanging out at my place in Echo Park, slash Silver Lake, slash Rat Alley, is what I heard it called the other day, which was both offensive and charming, which is all I can ever hope to be in my life. I don't really want to be offensive, actually. I take that back. I feel like I used to want to be offensive. I want to be offensive to the right. I want to, You want to step on the right toes, you know? Stepping on toes in and of itself, I don't really think is interesting or cool anymore. <laughs> but if you fuck with the vampires, I feel like that's cool. Anyways... I've reached a standstill in my bread-making practice. Uh, I've been making bread recently. Wheat loafs with rosemary. And I can't get a fucking good rise out of it. It fucking tops out at a certain point. And it's making me very upset. And I just really wish that I could, like, have uh, tall, fluffy bread, guys. That's all I want in this life. But it's not happening. So I got really mad and I smushed my bread the other day. And I made these really flat, crispy bread cookie things. (laughs) And they're pretty bad. And I've been eating them and I've been offering them to people as they come over. And they don't like them. (laughs) But I did bring a regular loaf over to a party the other day. And it went over pretty well, so that felt cool. Yeah. I've been trying to go like do this routine. And it's been helpful just to have like iPhone reminders that are like, drink some water when you wake up, you know? On this podcast I ask a lot of people about what their routines are. And I don't really have one. Um, so it's been pretty loose. But I've actually like been reading a little bit and just like making sure I take a walk and stuff. Pretty simple stuff, but Enough to kind of keep me in check, you know? A lot of time with the self-improvement shit, I kind of go too hard and then I crash and burn, and so... I'm at a nice and gentle, you know, few days of routine in a row. And I got to fucking dog sit the cutest dog this weekend, you guys. His name is Rollo. He is so cute. I took him to a dog park and he just wanted to sail my lap the whole time. He was so cute. Anyways... Hope you guys are well and your little journeys. I also started going to a 12-step group this week. Hello. It's called Al-Anon. It's for people with alcoholism in their lives, in their relationships, and trying to work through some of that shit. I mean, it's also an anonymous program, so I can't tell you too much about it. But I think I'm allowed to speak about my uh, experience, at least. I don't know. It was just helpful to go and have people that were going through similar things, and hear people talk. And uh, to be heard, it's a powerful thing. I think that's what I envy most about like religious communities, is just the community element of people that, on such a regular basis, get together and uh, witness each other, you know? And hold court together. There's power. There's a lot of power in that. And, you know, on the days where I do think about God, I, just, I mainly just think about other people. Is that where God is? I mean, if it is, I'm down. If it's not, I'm still going to get into that. I don't know what God is, guys. You caught me! It took 82 episodes. All right, I don't know what God is. I'm sorry, okay? Please don't be mad at me. I'm playing my first ever Fender bass today. It's a Mustang bass. I got it when I was 12, Christmas morning. Oh no, I got this when I was 11, because I got it in 2006. And the first ever bass line I learned. And a fucking star was born that day, you guys. (laughs) Thanks to my cousin Chris for showing me that bass line, that Black Sabbath song, that fateful day. I would go on to play so many wolf mother songs in my bedroom and now I do the same thing just I don't play wolf mother songs anymore not because I don't like that stuff I do like that stuff but playing other stuff but yeah man I pretty much just have the same identity that I had when I was 12 I like to think that I'm growing and learning and stuff but like a lot of the same stuff that that dude liked. And I'm proud of that in a lot of ways. I mean, sometimes I overthink it and I'm like, God, am I, am I that desperate for an identity that I, the first thing I found, I was like, Yep, this is gonna be me forever. <laughs> uh, but then I'm like, No. No, yeah, it's dumb to think about it. I think that's maybe what helped about the 12 step group, too. Or maybe why I might benefit from going there. Cause I overthink shit a lot. <laughs> so it's really nice to get <laughs> objective feedback from people that are, yeah. You because know, sometimes I'll have the right thought, I'll just also have all of the wrong thoughts around it. <laughs> I get so fucking, it gets all so convoluted and mishmashed and pish poshed and rrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr. Guys got a great podcast today with my friend George. Uh, George is a cool guy He is a um, he studied music industry at USC and uh, so it's it's nice to get a uh, compassionate intelligent person like George uh, who's also in a different world than I am uh, in many ways like I mostly talk to artists on this podcast um, and George is a, a creative and, and thoughtful guy um, he just finds himself more on the business end of things uh, so picked his brain about his life and uh what he thinks about music and stuff like that and kind of what his quest looks like yeah he worked with the Nova for a while um he was sort of our manager for a while um The only reason it stopped (laughs) is just because he you know we couldn't really pay him (laughs) because we didn't really have any income and he was starting to apply for jobs and stuff like that so but throughout the process we were like we talked a lot about the band and i learned a lot certainly just about putting on shows and stuff and so he's remained a good friend and we've kept in touch and shit and so yeah this is my conversation with george morinch everyone Music industry aficionado, up and coming, motherfucker. Yeah, cool, smart, nice guy. George. Here comes George, everyone.
1: Happy Sad Talking. Happy Sad Talking. Happy Sad Talking. Besides,
0: I don't know anything I'm just happy and, sad and sad. George Mackin What's up, man? Hey, how are you? Dude, I'm doing pretty good. It's good to see you. Yeah, likewise. We know each other from school. You were also the one time manager of the Nova Darlings. <laughs> yep. We've remained friends. Yeah. Or maybe we haven't, and this <laughs> is where we find out is in this moment. No, no, no. You guys, I,
2: I, it's funny. I was the first time manager of the Nova Darlings. It's also like one of the first bands I'd ever like managed. Yeah. Uh, and, and given that, like putting myself in that position was both so terrifying and so exciting right. at the same time. Uh, but you guys, uh, I learned a lot from you guys and...
0: Uh, I was very grateful for that experience. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, we, we learned a lot, too. I'm sorry we didn't have any money to offer you. No,
2: it's okay. Uh, the experience was definitely was well worth it.
0: Heck yeah, man. Is managing something you want to be doing? I think so. Um, Heck yeah. It, it, you know, I think
2: uh, I started off in this industry not quite sure. I mean, truth be told, not quite sure 100%. Uh, I think there's elements of management that I really like. Yeah, uh, I do feel like I have more of an entrepreneurial mind, and uh, you have to. Yeah, and I think like, I don't know, helping artists achieve their dreams in whatever shape or form that is. To me, uh, that is one of the only roles in the industry that really lets you do that from kind of your own pace and your own. You know, you're kind of running the ropes to that. Uh, so I think that's what's really appealing to me. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's very daunting and, you know, separating yourself from, uh, being, coming a workaholic in uh industry like management is definitely a challenge. Do you feel
0: like you're the type of person that's prone to that? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Have you come up against that thus far?
2: Yeah. I think when I like, even just as an undergraduate, I mean, I just graduated, you know, a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh fuck. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm so you. sorry I didn't say that. Thank you. Thank you. Um,
0: well, how's your first two weeks been?
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. It's really not, hasn't been that much different because, okay, so technically I graduated in December. Okay. And so then I had some time off, uh, and I traveled during that time with New Zealand. New Zealand? Yes. Oh my
0: God, I want to hear about New Zealand. Yeah,
2: New Zealand was incredible. Did you do the bicycle thing? I did it. I did it. Yes. And I realized, uh, halfway through it, no, I didn't do it, is because, uh, I'm not Lance Armstrong, (laughs) and I can't bike this entire continent. You you did some of it? Yeah, so basically I flew into Queenstown, uh, and from there, uh, me and a buddy of mine, we got a camper van, yeah, and we camped the entire South Island. Wow. Yeah. Were you there...
0: Before the Christchurch shooting?
2: Before, yeah. Wow. Which was really, like, crazy to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a pretty small place. Yeah, it was. You probably passed by there. Exactly. We actually did go uh, explore that city for a little bit. Um, It's just the people uh, are so... Yeah. I don't know. It's my first time ever leaving the States. Yeah. So this might not be, like, totally unique to New Zealand. But at least my experience there was that everybody... uh, To me, it was a lot more welcoming and a uh, lot—just the culture was different in the sense of—it wasn't so work-centric like it is here. Yeah, You know, it wasn't uncommon that we could just walk into a pub and just be talking to whoever just because they picked up on our accents and were like, hey, you know, you guys seem like—you sound like you're from America and, like, how are you liking your stay and, like— There were so many nights where we didn't know where we were going to stay and what we were going to do. And just through meeting people, uh, you kind of go off in your own adventures. And I think that was like the real fun of traveling. Nice. uh, Was that you learn to be
0: like incredibly frugal. Yeah. And that was like (laughs) the first time I've ever had that experience. So, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. That's so sick, dude. Yeah, it's a trip going outside of America for a second and then being like, I'm American as fuck.
1: Yeah. No. It's and also,
0: I don't know if it's, like, just when you either encounter people that are traveling or you or yourself are traveling and people encounter you. There's, like, this really friendly side of people that comes out where people, like, want to be hospitable, you know? And it's, like, I mean, I wonder if it's if it, it exists only in certain places or if it is, like, a, just a, a thing that happens when people encounter people on, like, a journey, you know? I wonder yeah. if I was a different, like, skin color or <laughs> gender, if I would be extended the same hospitality towards. But there definitely is something, like, super heartwarming about just being in, like, a new place and kind of flying by the seat of your pants. And the next thing you know, you have met some cool fucking people.
2: Yeah. And I think going into it with, like, no expectations, too. Yeah. Of, like, you know, a lot of people travel and they kind of they get so excited for you and they tell you all these things of like oh you're gonna learn so much about yourself you're gonna do all of these great deep <laughs> spiritual things and you like it's kind of hard to not like get yeah. overwhelmed by that and yeah. i think if you can kind of just and i think that's why traveling without a huge agenda really helps because you kind of don't nice. really know exactly what environment or situation you're going to be in so you just kind of have to like yeah you're just grounded in yourself
0: yeah uh which any I think, revelations any internal revelations
2: Um, nothing like like crazy. I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, the big thing I took away was just, uh, you can be very happy with very little and you are very like, especially I've learned that like you're very malleable when you're like a fresh graduate from college and the environment that you get put in really can like influence like what you think about and your goals and ambitions and all of that and uh New Zealand was such a drastic change of pace from LA right. and I found so much happiness and peace there yeah uh, and I find so much happiness and peace in LA and you know it's just kind of like a give and take right and so I think uh that would be like something that I'm really like fortunate
0: that I got yeah for sure was it a trip to go from like working a lot to not working
2: well yeah yeah, it's weird. You, like, don't really have to think a whole lot about life that much, you know? Um, which there's kind of a beauty because time, like, I don't know, it it doesn't feel like it's, like, 2 o'clock. It feels like a static thing uh, when you're traveling like that, mm. um, if that makes sense. Uh, but, um, yeah.
0: Mm. Heck, yeah. Like, the f- the time, time feels different.
2: Yeah, it really does. It doesn't feel like kind of the workday of, like, get up in the morning, this is when you have the most energy and you need to be focused on these things, and then so forth. It's It seems like, you know, you wake up and you really, uh, at least when you're traveling, there's not that big of an agenda. You kind of are just open to uh, really endless opportunity, and that's really exciting.
0: Hell yeah, man. How are you spending your days these days?
2: These days, uh, I'm in between jobs right now. Yeah. Um, but...
0: Me too, all the time. Yeah. So
2: for the most part, um, a lot of it is finding. I feel like the big the hardest part about post grad life is suddenly you like lose a community of people.
0: Yeah. All the time. Oh my god! You see all your favorite people all day every day, yeah. and then all of a sudden, nope.
2: Yeah, and I've learned that like that's a huge part of my own like happiness. Yeah. And uh, trying to find that community of people again is definitely something that I'm like trying to do.
0: Yeah, sorry, I'm listening. I got to do a computer thing.
2: Um, So, yeah, I think a lot of, so most of my days right now, um, I'll I'll generally, like, wake up pretty early and uh, we'll send off some emails and we'll kind of focus, devote a lot of time to, like, finding a job as that is, like, a full-time job in itself. Yeah. Uh, A lot of reconnecting and reaching out to people. Yeah. Um, And then I usually go work out and... What time do you wake up? I wake up around, like, 7. 7.30. 7.30. That is cool. Depending. I've learned that I can't get odd hours of sleep.
0: Like Interesting. Like, I can't get, like,
2: if I get seven hours of sleep, Bummer. I'm just, yeah, the whole day, I'm just so tired. Same here. But eight hours or six hours, and I'm fine. What? But seven and five, <laughs> so I, I usually time it out where I'll, I'll try to go to bed uh, so I can kind of hit that sweet spot. That's so it sick. generally lands me between, like, seven and 7.30.
0: That's pretty that's pretty tight. Yeah. I'm so. a nine. I'm a nine-hour guy.
2: Nine hours? I wish I
0: wasn't. Yeah. just I need and need nine. If I don't have nine, I'm bumped. I'm, bumped. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm angry.
2: Yeah, I know. And, you know, I, I you keep hearing about all these people that, like, you know, just, like, wake up at 4 a.m. and be super productive. And, like, you know, it's kind of like this, like, whole thing that's pushed in self-help books and whatnot to, like, wake up super early. Yeah. and To uh,
0: me, that's seven, seven o'clock is pretty extreme as well. You think so? I think so. I wish I had a different perspective. Most of the stuff I do is like freelance, you know? So I don't have like... I guess that's true. You know, most of my obligations don't start until 1 p.m., Yeah, you know? So it's like hard to wake up. For me, like if I wake up at like 9, I'm like, we are having a good day today, you know? Yeah. And it sucks because so much of like the stuff that like going to shows and stuff like that it is a nighttime business. That's true. <laughs> you know? It's true. And so it's a struggle because I do feel like it does affect my happiness to not be waking up in the morning yeah. <laughs> sometimes. but
2: Yeah, no, there's definitely, yeah. I mean, what time
0: are you going to bed? I don't even know, dude. <laughs> sometimes at like, sometimes 11, you know, that's like ideal. You know, yeah. 1030, if I'm in my bed at 1030, what a great time I'm having, yeah. you know? But a lot of times I'm dicking around on YouTube. Right. For it until like one or two in the morning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. And you said you work out. Are you still doing martial arts? I've been trying to get back into it. What did uh, you, what martial arts so were you doing? I was doing jujitsu. That's so cool. Yeah. How did I, you get into jujitsu? I had a friend who
2: was this super into it. This just became
0: the Joe Rogan podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he, he was like, he just basically told me, Hey, Just try it. Just trust me. You can get a free class. Just try it. And um, I went to the session. Had you ever done other martial arts? No, I had never done any martial arts. I didn't even have... You you get dressed in this thing called a gi, which is this big white robe uh, that I had never... Like, I had no experience. So I just walked in, uh, and I didn't know this, but Los Angeles is like the jiu-jitsu capital. There's like a bunch of super high-end uh, studios and gyms, uh, that house like martial arts, like the hall of fame, like wow. fighters. And, uh, we happened to go to this one gym, um, and they just paired me up with this dude. And I was, you know, I'm not the biggest dude in the room and I had no idea what to do. And the only instructions they give were roll and tap twice when you want to get out. Uh, and it very much teaches you just to learn on your feet. It's not one of those things where they will just like walk you through the steps. They kind of just pair you up and say like, fight this guy. Really? Yeah.
0: So they don't say, that's it? You show up, they say, fight this guy.
2: (laughs) Pretty much. Whoa. Um, they'll teach you like- Do you do punches? No, no, no. So jujitsu is all on the ground. Okay. So basically it's, the purpose is to, uh, I mean, and in essence, you are almost killing the person because if if they don't tap out, like, you know, they they could get seriously hurt. But uh, it is fighting on the ground. So a lot of it is just using your own balance. And a lot of times you can't see when you're on the ground. You're twisted in weird positions. You can't really see where your opponent is. Uh, so you really learn to be like very much in tune with your body and your instincts. Wow! Uh, within itself uh, is like a huge uh, stress reliever. Afterwards, you kind of like yeah. feel like your day like, all right, I just fought some dude. You know, <laughs> like yeah, that's cool. Um, so I, I was uh, really drawn to it because of that reason. And from there, I went to a couple more classes. And, and since then, you know, it's been hard to find, like, a good academy that I feel like would, would be fit for me. But right. I, I'm, I'm looking for some place now. I'm not opposed to it. But it's kind of s- slipped out since.
0: Yeah. I feel you, man. You're just going to gym, regular gym?
2: Yeah, there's just a, a, a apartment gym Yeah, right now that I just work out in. Heck yeah. Yeah.
0: What kind of gym exercises do you do?
2: I just do, like, a standard program. It's, like, a five-by-five thing where you're squatting and you're doing, like, you're just doing weights, and it's nothing crazy fancy. I don't have it, like, you know, very well, like, calculated like some people, but uh, it does the job, and uh, I always think it's just good to just work out your heart. Yeah, for sure.
0: i got to get back in exercise, man. I definitely... I've been, like, taking walks recently, which has been really nice, but... I don't know, man. I I wish I was on a... Carter's like a very regimented roommate. Yeah. It helps sometimes to
2: be around those kind of people, though.
0: Yeah, I know. Have you gone to the gym with him? No, I haven't. I'm a very, like, private gym person. I like to just kind of go by myself, (laughs) listen to... I think I don't like going to the gym is what it is. (laughs) I like going to the gym, walking around, looking at the stuff, and then leaving. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I yeah. don't know. I, I could get back into it.
2: Have you tried, other, like, rock climbing or other, like, types of gyms that aren't necessarily, like, Whoa. weightlifting? No, but rock climbing seems like it could be yeah.
0: super fun. There's
2: a cool community. Uh, I don't know that much about it, but I have a couple friends that are, like, really invested in, like, the L.A. rock climbing community. Whoa. And they That's cool. love it. And I know there's, like, a couple gyms, especially in Echo Park, uh, that people climb at. And it's, like, just a cool way to, like, an alternative way of getting some exercise in
0: this sounds cool i'm gonna <laughs> write it down now correct me if i'm wrong you use you were like an engineer like you were into like recording and stuff like that like in yeah. high school and stuff
2: yeah i that was like my first ever like taste of the industry was in in recording yeah um yeah
0: that's how did that come was, around you're from
2: i'm from thousand oaks
0: thousand oaks that's right yeah
2: so i was always a musician growing up uh, i played bass and guitar I was in, I actually also played trumpet. So I was, that was like my, I guess, my first instrument. Yeah. I played in like the, the middle school band and the jazz bands. And uh, it wasn't until high school that they needed a bass player. And uh, we just happened to have one lying around the house, learned how to play the bass. Um, and from there, I learned upright. And uh, I was in a very competitive orchestra in high school. Um, but also at the same time, I had, my dad had reason which was that like super old recording
0: software where it
2: was like the hardest recording software.
0: I have vague memories of like my first music teacher in like sixth or seventh grade with Reason, and I wasn't like familiar with DAWs at all, but I remember being especially daunted by reason you know well
2: it's one of those DAWs where you actually have to patch in all of the effects like there's literal wires that you have to do as opposed to just like putting it (laughs) on the channel you know right Uh, so you actually like had to know like the signal path before you could do the bait like the most fundamental recordings interesting so in a way it was a blessing because it definitely just taught me like signal flow very well Right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was, like, very frustrating when you just wanted to record, like, you know, your power chord riff. And yeah. And, you know, you had to do all the stuff. Totally. But, um, so you yeah. started messing around with Reason? So I started messing around with Reason. And then uh, I kind of got more into, like, just researching different engineers and producers and whatnot. And that's wow. kind of where I learned about, like, Pro Tools was a thing. And uh, I ended up getting, like, the lightest version of Pro Tools. Yeah. And uh, from there... I really thought like being an engineer was going to be like the thing for me.
1: Yeah.
0: Are you uh, doing this kind of in your own world or you have friends at all that are. I had like one or two friends into that this? were
2: like, we were all like really into heavy metal yeah in high school. oh shit yeah what
0: metal bands were you into oh, man.
2: we were into I everything from like you know like Slayer and Iron Maiden and Slipknot to... my
0: first concert was an Iron Maiden concert really yeah I used to fucking love Iron Maiden <laughs>
2: yeah so, I still get
0: down from time to time
2: yeah yeah we were like Mastodon was we were super into and that's when Avenged Sevenfold was still big and all those bands but um yeah so and a, and a big part of of metal is like the tone and the production of the recordings and all of that, so I was super into um like Greg fiddleman and and Joey Sturgis and all these engineers that were like pioneers in that field Word. um and so from that, I started this like it's called Chicken Records. yeah, <laughs> and it oh, was yeah. like. It was kind of like a pseudo record company, but we didn't really know what a record company was at the time. Right. We just, I literally thought that a record company just made records. So I was like, well, if I can record some local bands, I could be a record company. And yeah. so uh, we it was it was basically just a home studio that I would record bands in, but huge. Uh, that's sick. Yeah, from that that was like the start of it. And would I, you
0: record local bands?
2: Yeah, we did
0: chicken records. Yeah,
2: yeah, we we uh, we would record pretty much anybody, and that's where I really learned like a how to just like work with artists and different recording techniques, and like that was like really like got me super excited and motivated about, like, jumping into that field. Yeah. What Um,
0: were the bands like around town?
2: Well, actually, so Thousand Oaks is part of Ventura County, and Ventura County has a huge metal scene. It's, like, the biggest thing there.
0: Really? Yeah. Cool.
2: And so a lot of it was, like, heavy metal bands. There was a lot of, like... Singer-songwriters that would do like singles that were just like acoustic guitar in them.
0: Yeah, I'm a big uh, field medic fan. Yeah, he, he talks a lot about Ventura County. Yeah, yeah. So those. Yeah, I were wonder like, if he's from there. Yeah, I don't know, but. Um... But he's like a one guy guitar dude.
2: Yeah, so it was like it was like always a contrast between that and and singer songwriters and uh,
0: interesting singer songwriter metal scene.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was that was it. And That's so, sick. Like, uh, I had a guitar teacher too who was like really into uh, writing for sync, mm-hmm. and he did it all through MIDI. And so he kind of got me experimenting with all the MIDI sounds and you know native instruments and all of that stuff. So I was kind of working on that at the same time like and kind software of software in the know, box yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. And so like kind of just the basics of like MIDI sequencing, wow. and yeah. So I first I was like really wanted to do this recording route, uh, and I started just trying to find any way in I could get to a studio. Yeah. And, I remember uh, you telling
0: me this. Like you went around yeah, to yeah, I all went the around biggest. It
2: was like all the base studios, and basically said like, "I will grab coffee, I will park yeah. cars, I will do anything you want." What just does that to look like? Here. You
0: knock on the front door and yeah, say yeah. to the receptionist <laughs> like, "I'm here for one job, please." Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, yeah it's 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 definitely. There was sometimes where I would just try to find somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, right? Or I would go to the holiday party and just show up and just like try to talk to the engineers and whatnot. Dude,
0: that is ambitious and cool.
2: Yeah, so a lot of the times uh, there was one studio in particular that just kind of like really gave me a sour taste. Oh no. Were there some people
0: that were very rude?
2: They were just very rude and like they just didn't I mean, if they were just gonna have me like park cars all day and they didn't really just get the motive of me being there was to learn. Right. And I get it if I don't want to be, if I don't have to be in a session or whatnot, but I want to at least be inside the building. Right. And uh, (laughs) I got, there's this weird studio owner who like wanted me to go help him do this Christian musical that he was starting and whatnot. And since then I was just like, this is the same time too, I was looking at college and my parents were definitely like, you should look at a four-year program. (laughs) Right. Um, And at the same time, I was also thinking of, like, long-term, I want to have some skills to be able to go into music with, like, some business background.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah.
2: So I uh, ended up going up to Oregon my freshman year. Yes. Uh, I remember hearing about this. business degree. Um, which was a dope experience. Like, Oregon is a yes. sick place. Oh, man. Um, and it was a great school, and I had, like, a Are lot of fond memories. Yeah,
0: Nice, dude. What's Eugene
2: like? Eugene is a very... I've been there a
0: couple times, I'm only passing through.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it actually reminds me a lot of my hometown in some ways. Really? Uh, just in the sense that it's, it's just very isolated. You know, it's, it, it feels uh, very homey. But it's still a pretty big city for, for Oregon. Um, and it, the campus is the only thing in the city. Yeah. So that drives most of the economy in the city. So most people work at the school or are associated with the school. Right. Because of that, there's just duck everything. And everything is green and yellow. Uh, right. Which, is, you know, it's an it's experience. And there's definitely a personality in it, which I appreciated. But um, it's a huge sports school. Yeah. Everybody loves the ducks there. And I was in all these business classes, and everybody was saying how much they wanted to do sports business and sports broadcasting and all the sports business. And I was like, I wish there was, like, a music business emphasis. And I didn't really know about USC at the time. Uh, And I was kind of just starting to do some research and was learning that, hey, USC has this program and applied and things worked out and ended up down there. Uh, But I love my experience up in Oregon. Uh, I would definitely love to go back and, like, definitely learned a lot of just living in a different state. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it was really cool.
0: Heck, yeah, man. And then you're like, L.A., here I come.
2: L.A., here I come. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I moved to L.A. and started at USC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was like where they really like explored like hey like music business is like a real thing and like right here's all the opportunities you can do in it and whatnot and, and from there though I still love and really interested in engineering I started to kind of see other elements that uh, I was really drawn towards and I think engineering for me is, like, a great hobby to have. And one day right. I, like, would love to build a studio. Yeah. Uh, but I also, there's a lot of other areas of business that, like, excites me. And yeah. And I want to
0: kind of pursue that, so. I feel you, man. What kind of emails are you sending these days? What kind of jobs are you looking for? Uh, right now, I'm really looking to just
2: jump into something where, uh, to me, the team matters the most. Word. It's the people. Um, and I've had experiences working at companies where, like, the boss just won't really give you a lot of opportunity to grow, mm. uh, both, like, personally and just within the company.
0: Where they kind of want you to...
2: Yeah, they kind of just want you to just be there and, like, you know, greet people and send, you know, do a bunch of admin stuff, basically. Right.
0: They're not invested in your future, necessarily. Right, right, right.
2: So I think right now uh, I would love to jump in an opportunity. Like, I would love to be an assistant to somebody who would kind of, like, bring right. me under their wing and kind of show me their ways. Yeah. Um, a lot of that has been in management. Uh, yeah. But I've had a lot of success, too, just, like, reaching out to the creative community in L.A. and just grabbing coffee with songwriters, producers, yeah. A&Rs, uh, and just kind of picking their brain about the industry and seeing right. how they did it. And I've learned, like, so much from that. Word. Um, so, you know, I'm not quite sure exactly where, I'm gonna, where that's going to land me. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I think just through meeting with, reconnecting with as many people as I can, you know, you kind of start to like pave your own path.
0: Yeah. I feel you, man. Well, it was cool working with you on Nova Darling stuff because I felt like you understood like the language and stuff like that, you know? And so we could be in the studio and like be discussing like a nuanced recording issue. Yeah. And you weren't just like, fuck you. I don't know what the fuck. Fuck you guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why who, why you would become that New York character in that moment. But I don't know, man. I feel you. What's like the pie in the sky dream town? Is it a record? Is it a studio? Uh, in terms of like, what do you mean? If you could just, if you could write the story
2: of George. Oh, uh, man. I, I would love to eventually start my own venture in whatever form that is. Right. Um and I would love to just take that I, I would just really like to find and maybe that's in management, uh, or it's working running a team uh at a label. Right. Uh but just working with creatives and you know, kind of empowering their vision. Yeah. And uh <laughs> I would love to have a studio on the side, um, but I think in the long term uh, I'm very much wanting to just, you know, have that entrepreneurial pursuit, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, I feel you, man. It's an interesting spot that I feel like so many of our friends are in in post-grad times where you're like, you know what you like to do, you know, and right. you're like, you like, I hope I have some skills, yeah, <laughs> but you're not necessarily like there's not necessarily, like, an obvious stepping stone in front of you, yeah. And so it's, like, it could be both, like, immensely free but also dispiriting to just be, like, okay, how do I, like, try to move it forward and, like, you know, tend to the garden and kind of nurture these different paths without totally collapsing within myself? Yeah, (laughs) you know,
2: I think... And a hard thing for me, too, has been... Balancing the music I love right. with, like, the commercial, like, how competable, you know, where the market is in terms of, like, the music industry. Yeah. And kind of drawing the balance between working with bands that, uh, you know, may might work right now may compete, but I'm not necessarily, like, fully believe in the vision and the morals of that artist. Mm. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a business. So kind of that personal conflict, I think, has always kind of been tricky to navigate. Being
0: asked to work on stuff that your heart isn't necessarily fully in.
2: Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, I'm learning that, you know, there's a lot of artists that can go out there. They don't need to be this diamond in the rough all the time. Right. I think we always paint that picture that, like, if you get signed a record deal, you're this incredible band that must be this, like, up-and-coming big thing. And I think the end of the day there's a lot of just good artists not great but good artists that do very very well and for a long time i i kind of didn't realize that and was always just trying to go for this great and trying to find the next you know humongous band right when in reality that has their
0: shit together but is for yeah just underneath the surface or something
2: yeah (laughs) it was like i was trying to find this radiohead uh, band out there and at the end of the day it's like well there's also a lot of managers and uh, labels that specialize in just getting you know good acts, and they right. don't necessarily need to be this you know world class tier,
0: right? Um, but yeah, where's your heart at? What are the, what are you listening to these days?
2: Man, I've been in a lull musically. Yeah, uh, I mean, right now I've been into a lot of like more folky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like Elliott Smith and Iron and Wine, um, Milk Carton, and like. Uh, bunch of uh more like acoustic yaks. yeah um but and then i'm also like always listening to the charts and radio and kind of seeing what's trending mm. on that side uh but not not really anything new that's been super exciting right um if you have any
0: recommendations oh boy what have i been listening i think the new big thief record is really great um, i did check that out yeah i did like that i'm sure it's like come across your your plate you know yeah yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it's a very interesting record yeah it's like it's really refreshing and you don't usually yeah. hear an album with that kind of like the production on it is like very interesting and yeah vocal and like especially the lyrics uh yeah yeah
0: to, she's to, just on another level dude yeah and just to see how they work together as a band and just like every single thought that went into that record you know yeah i don't know it's very haunting and and strange, you know? It always They always surprise me with how strange they are. Like, just, this thing is like, just as soon as I think I know kind of who they are yeah. <laughs> and what they're up to. You know, like, they could have gone in the studio and written, like, Paul, right. like, you know, another couple Pauls, but then they, like, don't do that, you know? Yeah. And they write this kind of weird, shifting, proggy, <laughs> like, bedroom folk album. And it's like, yeah, what Yeah, I don't really heck? know
2: how to define it either, yeah. Yeah,
0: they're so weird and so cool. Yeah. They're rad. I saw them at the Fonda. And they like brought that it was really truly great. Yeah. And they brought these uh just like bouquets of flowers out at the top of the show and just like gave them to the people in the front row and just had them like pass them back, you know? So before they even got on stage, everyone was like giving flowers to everyone around them. It was just like very cool start to a show. Yeah. It was very rad. Wow!
2: Yeah, I haven't seen them live. I actually just like this was the first record I had heard by them. Yeah, um, and oh, so I didn't really have a whole lot to, to base it off Frame of. Frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. And
0: I think I heard the singles prior, but um, man, I would yeah, recommend definitely. We'll check them both out. the other records. You know, I think maybe the second one would be a nice one to go to after this. But okay, I've been doing. I've been going through this book actually recently, the "A Thousand and One Albums to Hear Before You Die." And I've just been going, like, one by one through it. Oh, yeah? On days where I don't feel like w- trying to f- do research and, like, figure out what is cool right now. You know, this right, is, like, a right. way to, like, not think, but just listen to good records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So I've just been listening to, like, a lot of, like, 50s records recently. Yeah. A lot of, like, big band type oh, shit. Wow. Or, of, like, the song, like, the the rolls like, Ella Fitzgerald and, like, Sarah Vaughan and, like, those type of, like, singer singers you know like yeah. billy holiday type stuff is in there which is really interesting because like i don't know that stuff yeah whatsoever it, yeah and there's not really a lot of
2: opportunities where you would ha- like besides that book yeah to really like discover that kind of stuff right Which yeah. is cool
0: yeah yeah I, i'm not running into a lot of people that are like oh man have you heard the genius of ray charles right, 1959 right. with the big band shit yeah but now i can Gotcha. Is it in chronological order, or is it... Yeah, yeah. So I'm just... I'm I'm ending the 50s now. Um, I mean, some of the records I only spin, like, one time. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely records that I blew past that I'm like, okay, I know these two Miles Davis albums are, like, a lot more important <laughs> than right. I'm, like, giving them credit for, and I should probably listen to them 100 times or something, but I'm just like... There's also a part of me that's like, oh, that, that's the toughest thing with new music, is you're like... When do you sit with something and digest it to appreciate it more? Or when do you just, like, move on to try to find something that you connect with immediately, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, I found it super rare to ever, I mean, at least for me, I, yeah. I almost never love music on the first listen, ever. Yeah. It's very rare that I do. There's there's instances, but. Yeah. Um, and even when I do, it's not like those songs are crazy better than other. It's just sometimes no. it just takes, you know, yeah. the right time Uh, of your life to be listening to that or
0: it just hits you in the right way yeah my Um, favorite records are the ones that like beckon you in with like one kind of shiny song yeah and then you're like you listen to the rest of them and you're like what the fuck are these other songs and then you listen to it a couple times and then your favorite songs totally like invert on the record and your favorite ones become like ones that you just were totally not paying attention to the first time around and that shiny song is like you're like that's cool but like dude, it's actually this song that's the real song like yeah. So I always try to think about that with records, like, and as far as, like, making records too, like, having a, something to catch people's attention, but also if they stick around, like, having enough layers to what you're doing right? to have, like, to reward people for, like, digging deep, you know?
2: Yeah. No, and there's a whole art of just an album, like, listening to an album in the flow of an album, like, yeah. that brings so much more to it yeah. than just, you know, having it on shuffle.
0: Yeah. This is what I think is cool about that Big Thief record. It's not like... There aren't really, like... I mean, they put out singles. Right. And they're definitely, like, are individually great tracks. But it's just cool that they... I don't know. You hear so many times people are just like, don't make albums anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's, like, it's just cool to see people that make albums and, like, put thought into a sequence of al- an album, you know? Yeah. Because, like, we surpassed the technological limitations of, like, an LP... A long time ago
2: Really long time ago You know
0: Like at first It was just this like Necessity Of just like This is physically How much music We can put on Two sides of This plastic thing You know And then people Started writing For that Specific medium You know Right And now we don't Have to do that But we still Kind of put out These like 45-ish Minute bodies of work You know I know Yeah It's like a cool format
2: Yeah I I don't know If you've ever read uh, uh, How music
0: works The David Byrne book? Yeah. Yeah. Have you read that book? I've read it a long time ago, and I want to kind of revisit it. Yeah, it it talks a lot about what you just said about how, like,
2: as tech, it's like music is actually just a reciprocal of, like, the environment and the age that we live in. Um, And it gives that the same example of, like, you know, the reason jazz uh, became a thing was because, you know, they were playing blues songs. Right. And they were dancing in clubs and they didn't want the blues songs to stop because they were only two, three minutes long. Right. And they wanted to keep dancing. So, what they would do is just keep vamping sections and just adding solos. And over time, you do that enough and you start to get into more jazz progressions. Word. And uh, it's, it's interesting now because, like, we're in an era where songs, you know, are super short and, and like singles, not like contemporary music. Uh, which could evolve in its own art form in itself of just being right. this like one song thing. Yeah, uh, but it is refreshing to have some like bands like Big Thief that come and yeah. put out a huge record that's just uh, totally different and yeah. kind of goes back to that old school
0: mentality. Yeah, man, I watched SNL last night, the season finale, and DJ Khaled was a musical guest. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know anything about DJ Khaled. Not, I don't intentionally like avoid popular. Popular music, mm-hmm. um, but it just—it's just not where maybe a lot of my focus is. Sure. Um, as sometimes I'm like, oh, I should be paying more attention to what is going on. But a lot of times I'm just sort of like, I just don't hear a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and he is so interesting because really? I was just like, what? What is he doing? Because he was just <laughs> kind of like a hype man, and then he would just bring on
2: people. Other people, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) and it was. I saw. I was like very confused the whole time because he was just sort of like he just had a couple kind of phrases. He'd be like, "Another one, right?" Ladies and gentlemen, Lil (laughs) (laughs) Wayne, and then Lil Wayne would do something, and they'd be like, "Another one, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) (laughs) SZA." and I was like this
2: MC of like, (laughs) yeah.
0: But then it was kind of there were moments where I was like, "Oh, this is cool," you know. Like he has this like I don't know. I was just like do I fucking hate DJ Khaled or like yeah. am I kind of about this? I don't know, dude. It was a very, I had never seen anything like that, you know? And so as I head under a rock type of person, I was just like, this is so, in." like, how did this guy, like what? How? How is he so popular? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Like, how did he rise to fame? <laughs> By just being the guy that's like, check out this other guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, does he produce? I don't know that much about him, uh
2: but I do that. You, you explained it perfectly. He always kind of, to me, was the guy that just brought everybody together. Yeah, uh, but don't really know exactly what his main
0: role is. Interesting, dude. We. Yeah. I want to start another podcast called DJ Khaled <laughs> Questions. <laughs> yep. Questions <laughs> asked
2: DJ Khaled. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Man, is there any uh, romance in your life these days? Uh, there it is. Whoa! Uh, yeah. Heck yeah. So, uh... That's an update from the last time I saw you, I think. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so I'm actually back together with uh, my girlfriend, Madeline. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. how's it going? Which has been incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she has definitely just been uh, a huge... She's been so supportive and has brought me so much joy. Um, and, you know, I think I learned so much through... It's really cool to be know somebody as long as I've known her, how long have you guys known each other? Eight years. And how long have you been together? We've been together for about like four, four or five years. Mm. And uh it's really interesting to just reflect back on, you know, how you grow with that person and you mature. Right. And seeing that and reflecting on that is uh something with somebody where you have such a personal relationship with and mm. Uh, love is one of those things where it's it's there's really only one other person in the world that understands it, and that's the person you know you're sharing it with. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah, we're incredibly happy, and Sick. we just came from Joshua Tree this weekend. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's cool. I had another friend that was in Joshua Tree this weekend.
2: Yeah, it was a it was gorgeous out there. We just got nice. an Airbnb.
0: Um Heck yeah. It was
2: like perfect.
0: Does she live in L.A.? She's in Santa Barbara. Okay, cool. Yeah. So how? Does that kind of commute situation work out?
2: Uh, we usually, like, switch off between drives. Like, she'll come down yeah. probably half the month and I'll go up. My family yeah. lives up in Santa Barbara, so that's kind of like a oh, bonus. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, because I can kind of see them and see her, and then uh, it's really not that bad. It's only like a two-hour drive. Right. So we've done worse. Uh, she was up in Oregon for a year when I was starting at USC. And right. so We've done all the forms of distance imaginable, and yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Mm. Now we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. <laughs> but I know because you guys did split up for a little bit of time, mm-hmm. and then got back together. Yeah. What were the kind of like? Were the reasons that you split apart, and like, yeah, you know what what what's happened there? Yeah, that so. that was the worst <laughs> way to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'm because you see him, you see him. Excited and and comfortable yeah. and and relieved to be, yeah, back I in mean, this relationship. And so I'm wondering kind of what caused it to end momentarily and and restart.
2: Yeah, well, I think a big thing is just uh, you, especially when you've been with somebody that long, right? You and she was kind of like my first girl, like serious girlfriend, right? Uh, so you don't really, you kind of always have in the back of your mind of like, well, is the grass greener on the other side? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, It's the only person I've been with. Right. Exactly. Uh, which are totally like normal fears and doubts to have. Very valid. Um, Yeah. And I think a lot of it also is learning when in your life, like I was at a point in my life where I was, uh, you know, I was doing a really stressful job while going to school, while tackling on, like, a million other things. Yeah. Uh, And really, I felt like I was putting a lot of strain and stress on the relationship because of all those, you know, external things. Uh, And at the time, you don't really realize that until you take that stuff away, and you kind of can reflect on it a little bit more, and you're in a completely different environment and time. And uh, at the end of the day, I think I realized through that whole breakup that, uh, you know, there, the grass really wasn't, isn't always greener, mm. but I'm very glad that I found that out, right. uh, because that really does like erase that reassurance of like, Oh, yeah. what is it like? You know, and you kind of assume that like you picture this life of what it'll be like without that person. Right. And then you really find out that you're just the same person without her, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Um, so you learn a lot about yourself, and so and she did too. And so I think, in retrospect, we're both like very. Uh, I mean, it was very bittersweet. Uh, For it was sure, some yeah. of the hardest times in my life. I'm sure, and, it wasn't and, easy. Yeah, uh, but you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, and you carry that those lessons in the relationship right. today. So
0: yeah, and how beautiful is that too? To like afford your partner the space to like explore. A concern in their mind, you know, and yeah. then ultimately like consciously elect to reunite right. yeah that's sick dude yeah heck yeah yeah what's the sort of dynamic between you guys like when you're together um what do you mean by that like We're like uh, you, you, does she talk a lot do you talk a lot does uh, she do music stuff like what's
2: she so she's uh she's studying uh biochemistry or sorry neurobiology basically work. Uh she's way more science based, uh, mm. which I like have also love like psychology. Did you just and
1: feel that
0: crazy light change? Yeah, I did. That was weird. Yeah. Huh. Anyways. Um
2: so she's she's definitely more like science based. Uh and I but she played music in high school and we kind of were drawn together because she we met at a we really bonded over a day to remember concert that we went to in high Word. school.
1: <laughs> Heck yeah.
2: Um, so we share a very similar music taste. Uh, and she, um, she's she been just, like, incredibly supportive of me and, like, my creative endeavors, but also she, I've, like, learned so much from her. And I think, for me, like, I don't think I could date somebody who's doing the same thing I'm doing all the time. It's really nice to have a different flavor and perspective of, like, a totally different industry, a whole totally yeah. different, you know, group totally. of people uh which is also the like i think a benefit of like being she's in Santa Barbara she has her community of people i'm in LA I have my community of people and like when we meet up and can bring those people together it's awesome yeah. you know yeah um
1: do
2: you think like those world those worlds
0: are like congruent
2: yeah i think they complement each other very well it's so nice.
0: sometimes that stresses me out yeah. with different friends like if i'm having like a birthday or something and i'm like oh i got this group of people this group of people yeah yeah it's fuck. like a
2: stressful yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, heck yeah, man. Yeah. How else do you spend your days? You know, so you go to the gym.
2: Go to the gym. send these emails. Send off some emails. Um, I've been reading a lot. Nice. Which has been awesome. What are you reading? Uh, I just read, like, one of the best books uh, called When Breath Becomes Air.
0: Oh, that's a cool
2: name. Yeah. It was, uh, I read, like, a New York Times article about it. Uh, It's basically about this neuroscientist who was, like, top of his class at Stanford uh, who is it
0: fiction or nonfiction? No,
2: it's like a memoir, basically. Word. And when he was like 35, he got diagnosed with like this terminal lung and brain cancer. Wow. And he was an incredible writer and always kind of wanted to be a writer, but always planned to do it after his doctorate, you know, doctorate studies. And uh, he writes this whole book about his experience with death and like coming to it. But it, it doesn't come from a place of bitterness It doesn't come from – it comes from it very much with, like, a state of integrity and, like, what is meaningful time yeah. and uh, finding joy that, like, doesn't hunger more joy. And, like, it's really insightful. Yeah. uh, And it's not full of the, like, cliches of, you know, what you think would be, like, a book written about meaningful time. Right. Uh, But it's written, and it's really interesting to see, like, the timeline of, like, when he started the book and how, like, once his, like, cancer – Uh, evolves the tone of his writing like you can see the pacing change and it's really Uh, freaky to read yeah uh but he says like some of the most interesting points and i've taken a lot out of it so yeah highly recommend
0: that's fucking sick yeah when do you read in the day
2: i usually read at night yeah because i i have to like it puts me to sleep yeah and that's the way (laughs) it's like that's usually the only time of day. I find that if I'm, like, staring at my phone, I can't read for the next, right. like, 30 minutes. My brain's just too scattered. Yeah. So the nighttime's really the only time where I'm, like, decongested enough to, like, pick up a book. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do TV at all? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Like, I, it depends. Like, if I'm... Yeah, I mean, it really depends. Like, when I was working and I'd come home and, yeah, I'd want, like, you know, some couple time just to just unwind or make dinner or something, I'll have it on in the background and whatnot. Yeah. But...
0: I'm curious, like, do you sleep with your phone next to you? I used to. Yeah. I used to. I don't anymore. That's sick. Yeah, when which was you... really hard to do. Oh, yeah. I feel trapped by it all the time.
2: Yeah. <sighs> the only reason, there's two reasons why I stopped doing it. First one was actually just to wake up. Yeah. I learned I couldn't wake up if my phone was in reach. So I, I actually put it, like, on the ground. So I have to get out of bed turn off the alarm. Sick. And then it's like, you're up, you're up yeah uh, so nice. that was like the main reason uh, nice. but also I just realized like there was just so much time I spent just not doing anything before bed and just sacrificing sleep for it yep. Um that there was like uh, you know you kind of I started just to take this like self-discipline of like just putting it away. And I see, you know, I, I think it's great. There's also like timers now you can put on apps. Yeah. Which has been super helpful and kind of has reduced like just getting entrapped by, you know, yeah, your phone. Um, but yeah, it's, that has been like a huge, I mean, your quality of sleep is better too. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, such a
0: fucking crazy way to start the day. Like Instagram with Instagram, you know? Yeah. Like starting your day with Instagram, what an, ins- cause it requires like so little physical effort. So sometimes it'll be tempting because it'll just be like, "Oh, I don't really have to get out of bed to, to start, you know, thinking about yeah. stuff or whatever." But then all, it's just this crazy onslaught of lateral comparisons and like corporate manipulation. All and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> no, like, all of a sudden, I'm so anxious and I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" Yeah. <laughs> it's been five minutes into my day. I know. It really yeah. is an insane way to live.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's it's really it's like it's it's really scares me because um, it's just it's just yeah. becoming like more you're getting more comfortable and comfortable with just being alone. Yeah, which is like totally not what it's about, um, and that's what's like that's to me is I'm scared for like you know teenagers growing up today with you know and, and I mean really anybody but. Uh, the, uh, yeah, exactly. The idea of just being fed all of this, compar- and it's so subconscious, and there's a lot right. of it that, like, you don't really see the effects of it in, until later. Um, yeah. But it's just, yeah, we're getting very isolated. And yeah. I, don't, I I think at the end of the day, like, I used to meditate a lot. Nice. And I, I totally advocate for meditation, I think. What it, kind uh, of meditation? I just do, like, the mindfulness yeah. uh, meditation. What? And, uh,
0: what brought like what brought you to that?
2: Uh, my sister actually just told me one day like you should try meditation. Yeah. And uh, did you
0: did you like do a book? Did you? Do I just app?
2: downloaded an app. It was called Calm, and just followed like the guided instructions, and it was great. I mean, I I think at the end of the day, if you're using meditation as a tool to get to know yourself and to look inwards, great. Mm. Uh, I think where it gets a little fuzzy is when you try to associate happiness and meditation together.
0: Yes. Because
2: it doesn't, you know, there's like 10% happier, which is an app. And I think like fundamentally like that name like doesn't really make sense to me because you're doing an activity that is very isolating. Mm. And you're kind of trying to like force this happiness, you know, helmet on yourself. Like if I sit here every day alone and think, you know, or (laughs) or not think, (laughs) uh, I will be happier uh, and f- kind of putting that pressure on yourself. And I, I know that the app has a, t- a lot of different, you know, takes yeah. on meditation. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. the whole thing. Uh, but This uh, podcast
0: is sponsored by 10%. percent yeah. <laughs> Happy. So happy. Um, Watch your words. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that, no, it's weird when people expect, like, oh, meditation is like a... Always a peaceful event, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's work. You're doing yeah. work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes it can be very upsetting, you know. Yeah, and maybe it's like healing or leads to more equanimity in the long run. But sometimes it can be like exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> it's not just like a yeah pleasurable. It's not always pleasant, you know.
2: Right, right. Yeah, and I think. Uh, you know, there's a lot of companies that like put like meditation into their workplace. And I've always been like really fascinated by that because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, uh, to, like I said, I think it's just trying to, if you try to force this, like you'll be more productive, you'll be more happy. You'll be this X, Y, and Z. If you just sit alone, you're missing the point, which to me is, you know, happiness is formed through community and through Mm. people and through sharing your experiences with others, at least for me. Uh, and meditation is a tool to help yourself do that, but it doesn't bring that to you. So,
0: yeah, man, I was reading a, uh, a Jack Kornfield book. Do you know him?
2: No, I don't.
0: He's a meditation teacher. Um, American dude. Uh, and so he, he like goes to study in Tibet for a long time for like 10 years. And then he returns to America and he's like, I think he's like picking up his sister from a salon or something. And he's like in the waiting room and he's like waiting for his sister to be done. And so he just like starts meditating. And then he, like, (laughs) and then there are these people in the waiting room that are like making fun of him and he can kind of hear them snickering and stuff like that. And he just talks, he just like has this realization where he's like, oh, like my 10 years of practice have been extremely useful, but they ultimately have not yet, like, improved my human relationships or my skills within human relationships, you know? And so I think without that pairing is he was just kind of talking about, he's like, Oh, like you then have to take this internal work and then like foster those relationships, you know? And a lot of that intrapersonal work is, uh, or yeah, it's just the, like, what is the value of meditation? If it's, if it doesn't then affect your community. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Off the cushion, as they say.
2: Yeah. So I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like meditation, you know, I think it's one of the only tools you can use to like remove all that noise in your head and really look inwards. Because yeah. we're always uh, most of the day we're looking outwards, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's valuable. I think you yeah, know, yeah, learning yeah. how to ground yourself and learning like taking time to really internalize things. Yeah. Uh, is healthy, and there can be a lot of good from that, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Using it as an end all, meet all, and like you will be happier if you have this app and
0: meditate. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes uh, it gets kind
2: of salty and.
0: For the, sure. The, so, yeah. I need to meditate more for as much as I talk about it, but it, it is something that is like consistently useful for me. Um, one interesting thing that I do hear people say a lot is that like I can't meditate. Like I'm too anxious or like my head is too. I'm too like scattered. I'm too all over the place. I'm too in my head to meditate. Okay. Which to me is the fucking craziest yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> that's what it's for. You right. know? Exactly. It's like, I'm too weak to go to the gym. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm too thirsty to drink water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I get that way too in my head. And so I understand what it is. But I guess, I don't know, I think a lot of people don't understand what it is, you know, sure. or think that it is like you have to, like, if you were already in this, like, fucking zenned out, super peaceful yeah. headspace, why would you meditate?
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> no, and I think people also treat it as, like, you know, this, like, giant journey to be, like, you know, the zen master of meditation, and it's, it's not, right. you know, it's, there will be days where meditation... I do that sometimes, where yeah. I'm like, I'm
0: gonna be the fucking Buddha of yeah. now, you know, and there's this ego element to yeah, it, where Yeah, I'm like, I'm, why am I trying to be the best at meditation yeah. right now? <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, so I think, like, like you know, there's uh, there will be times where you can meditate and it'll suck. But that's yeah. learning that feeling of, like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, that's a weird feeling in itself, and you don't really think about it. You usually yeah. try to avoid it. But just sitting with that feeling, yeah. of like, it's, like, this, like, weird boredom and angst, like, in you. Like, that's, like, I think there's value in that, so.
0: Word. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. What else do you do kind of recreationally?
2: Well, I've actually taken my first surfing lesson Whoa! this week, which I'm excited about. How did yeah. it, are you, you're going to take it or yeah. you,
0: you did take it already? Well,
2: I have surfed a little bit when I was in high school, but like I, I still never like got the fundamentals. I would just go out and yeah. just get beaten up by waves. Same. Um, <laughs> and I saw an ad on Craigslist of nice. some guy who just like does like super cheap lessons and was like, you know, I'm going to be out on, you know, these days. Send me a link or, you know, send me a note if you want to come out. Um, so I'm doing that, which I'm stoked about. And that nice. whole started because my brother-in-law was moving out and he had a surfboard. And yeah. he, like, didn't know what to do with it. So he just gave it to me.
1: Nice. Uh, and
2: I don't know what to do with it. So now I was <laughs> like, well, I have a surfboard. I really have no excuse to not try it. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. So starting that. That's cool. Yeah. What kind of, is it a longboard? I still like a foam board. It's just one of those, like, nice. cheap
0: Costco boards. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll yeah. see how that goes. I um, love those type of surfboards. Yeah, I think they're really fun. <laughs> yeah, do you surf? A uh, little bit. I was on the surf team in high school, and I got last every time. <laughs> <laughs> what does the surf team in high school look like? Oh, dude, it was, it was fucking great. Yeah, uh, yeah the math teacher, Mr. Spellmeyer, taught it, and uh, he was like, it, it "Basically, you wake up very early, so you do. You wake up like four thirty or something oh like my that." Gosh. Um, because we would have, like, zero block or whatever. Right. I think it happened on, like, a late start. I don't fuck. It happened on Tuesday. I remember Tuesdays and Wednesdays, like, started later, but I forget when. I don't know. So, but basically, my friend Jake would pick me up at, like, 5 in the morning or whatever in his Jeep. with two surfboards in the back, and we would, like, go to the beach, like... And you would just... There, I guess there were, there were these meets where you would go in different, like, waves. Uh, you would go out and, like, with people from different schools. And, and you would out. all just kind of, like, surf for, like, a half. Would
2: you compete or was this... Yeah,
0: in the competition part, you would, like, surf in different kind of rounds. And you would just kind of go out for, like... I forget how long the rounds were. They were, like, 10 minutes or, like, 30 minutes or something. Yeah. And you would just try to catch as many waves as possible. And, like, people would be, like... Grading you, I guess, on, like, how many waves you caught, how good you caught the waves, and yeah. then they would rank you, and kind of that's what's up. Wow. But I fucking lost every time, so <laughs> I really wasn't, <laughs> like, there for the competitive. Honestly, right. like, I went to a school with, a, like, a lot of uniforms, uh-huh. and if you were on, in, like, certain clubs and stuff, you could get, like, a different shirt. Oh, wow. And the surf team yeah. shirt was cool shirt. Right, so, <laughs> so you were doing it for the shirt. I mainly wanted to wear this shirt, yeah. <laughs> but it was also, like, a cool way... Because it would be 9 a.m. and you've already had, like, an amazing, cool day outside with your friends. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. No, that's what I think. I mean, it's just bringing, like, more variety to your day. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, like, the
0: idea of surfing. if I Every once in a while, I'm like, I'm going to get back into surfing. And yeah. that, that fantasy brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure the actual thing would be. Where would you go? Would you go up in Malibu or? That's where my parents live. And so, that's where, like, my surfboard is. Yeah. <laughs> which is one of those foam yeah. board Costco boards. Um, and so that's usually where I go, but I try to go far away from other people yeah, because I don't have enough control to make split second decisions and I'm afraid I would hit somebody or make somebody very mad and be like, you took my wave. Yeah. Like, I don't want to make like people that are like go there all the time. Right. I feel like surfers can be a little territorial sometimes, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, how did you even learn? Did you just go out? And-
0: I did a bunch of surf camps as a kid. Okay. Yeah, so it was just always kind of... So uh, one
2: of those things where you just have to go, you know, like, five days in a row of, like... Like, the only way to learn is just by, like, consistently
0: just going and doing it. I, I mean, this this guy that you're going to have a lesson with is probably going to be way better. I'm <laughs> fucking bad at it. <laughs> so, I, like, if I had any of my real surfer friends... Or yeah. listening to me give surfing advice. <laughs> I think they would be laughing at me. Um, yeah, I think I feel, I feel like it's a skill like any other. You know, um, yeah. it's mainly just like getting up on the surfboard, like right? Learning how to pop up and like stay. But like I said, I'm I'm very bad. Yeah, <laughs> and I went surfing. The last time I went surfing was like a year ago. Yeah, and I caught like a half a wave. You know, and I haven't <laughs> if you since. can
2: stand up though. I mean that's.
0: Yeah, I don't know, because I grew up in like a surf, surf city. It was the nickname of my hometown. Yeah. Um. So and just feel like in summer camps and stuff like that, it was just kind of taught. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's kind of like riding a bike.
0: Probably. Yeah.
2: Feel like you could pick it up if you went back out.
0: Yeah, I've been threatening to in my own brain recently. Are talking with a couple of friends. Yeah. Um. I don't know if you know. Do you know Moira at all? I don't. Mm. She's been surfing recently, and I definitely like. Her. We should surf, man. Yeah, that'd that's be what fun. I was gonna, yeah, let's do it.
2: I don't have. Uh, I need to get a surf rack, and I don't know how to even. Uh, ta- I don't even know how to get the board on my car.
0: Right. Uh, yeah.
2: Without it flying down the four o five. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I have a sunroof, so if you know. Yeah. Okay. Worst cool. comes to worst, we could just angle them in at the top. Yep. And drive sweet nice, fast <laughs> yeah well after this lesson I'll let you know yeah let me know if you if you stick with it man yeah George thanks a ton for uh, for being on the podcast yeah man. no thank you for having me oh wait I wanted to ask you one more question do you have like role models do you have like career sort of people that you're like oh man Rick Rubin that guy's cool I wish I could role be models. like him
2: um that's a good question a good question and you can say hey, no. there, there's not I wouldn't say there's one person that I would say like I totally you know want to be like this person um I think at the end of the day there's a lot of figures out there who I take like small lessons from right um you know every and, and, and in all types of industries um I think you know there is a level like David Foster Wallace, for example, in literature. Like, I I love how analytical he is. And a lot of his, uh, I think, critiques are very, like, interesting. And I take a lot of uh, inspiration in the way he looks at and writes as a writer. Like, I think there's a lot of creativity there that uh, you could draw from. Uh, So people all the way in that side. uh, To personal relations, like uh, my sister and my dad, who have really, like, fostered. Uh, a lot of my goals and dreams. David
0: fostered a lot of your goals.
2: <laughs> and uh, uh, in the industry, there's a, there's a ton of executives out there uh, who I've worked under who I think have really uh, shaped the way I've looked at the industry and the way I look at relationships Yeah, uh, that I carry with me. But nice. there wouldn't be anybody I could put a finger on and say, right. you know.
0: What's like a dope executive? What do they got going on?
2: Um, I think... A, a really good executive is one that is just, to me, I'm always talking about the future of music and especially uh, in this industry where we seem to be late to the party a lot of the times. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of like forward, like uh, an executive that'll really, A, give you responsibility that doesn't necessarily has to be yours. Mm. Uh so including you in phone calls that you don't necessarily have to be in, but you'll just learn a lot from that. Mm. And thus they'll make your team better and thus will make you know, I think that Work. kind of like leadership. Lifting,
0: lifting people up.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, executives that really like drop the ego and really can relate to you on like a very personal level, I think is becoming more and more of an of an asset of somebody. Right. Um and, you know, I think yeah, looking ahead and really planning beyond just like one year. And um, looking at the whole scope of things and just being really excellent communicator about that
1: and Yeah understanding
2: why you're doing these tasks uh, is, like, fundamental to me. Word. Uh, and teamwork, so.
0: Hell yeah, man. Yeah. You mentioned family siblings. Yes. Yeah. What's your relationship with your siblings like?
2: Uh, so I have two sisters. We're nice. each three years apart. Uh, my oldest sister, she works in finance over in New York. And my uh, middle sister, she is over at Humboldt State. And she they're very different from each other like mm. vastly different yeah um, My eldest sister she's in uh, she went to USC mm. uh, and she is very uh, she's very driven and very career focused which I've drawn a lot from um, And I say my other sister isn't she just takes a different route to it. Uh, my other sister you know took a lot of time to travel um, and uh, is very... Uh, she's way more frugal than my other sister. And so I've kind of feel like I'm the blend between the two. Right. Um, uh, uh, I wish I could see them more than I do. I probably only see them yeah. like around the holidays. Yeah. Uh, but do you we guys still get stay along when you yeah. see each other? Yeah, definitely.
1: Heck
0: yeah. Did yeah. you mention a brother as well? I
2: don't. I have a brother-in-law.
0: Brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, my okay, sister cool.
2: actually just got married like a month ago.
0: This is the guy that gave you the surfboard? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, did you go to the wedding? I did. How was the wedding?
2: It was great. Yeah, it was up in Santa Barbara. Nice. Um, I was one of the the groomsmen.
0: Nice. It was and in April. It was. Dude, an April wedding in Santa Barbara. That I sounds know. so nice. It was perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So uh, it it was also
2: like the first time. My mom's side and my dad's side of the family have ever met each other. Really, which is like really weird. Yeah, interesting. Like all the cousins and all the like, because it's the only time really in your life. Yeah, where like all those people will be there for one reason. Yeah, uh, but it was great to just spend extended time with those yeah. people. and uh, yeah, that was it. Was a really cool.
0: Experience. Were there any clashes or was it? For no, the most part, not
2: really. For the most part, it was. It
0: was just like new good. uncles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sick.
2: Yeah, it was really fun.
0: Nice man. And you and your folks, Who? what are your folks like? Uh, so
2: my dad, uh, does he? I guess he mainly specializes in tech. Uh, and he, uh, right now he is working at a, um, it's called Seek Thermal, and they do infrared cameras. Uh, but he was running Line 6 for a really long time.
1: Oh, interesting. Uh,
2: yeah. And that was, when I was growing up, uh, I think it was also really cool to be around a dad who would, like, combine business with, his passion for music. He's an incredible trumpet player and keyboardist.
1: Oh.
2: Uh, and he still plays, you know, he plays in like the city college bands and any kind of like local yeah. community band that he can. Oh, that's cool. Um, so he's definitely helped shape like my passion for music and we still like pull out the real book sometimes and, you know, jam that, which is cool. Yeah, Oh, that's tight. Yeah, yeah. And then my mom. What do you
0: jam on with him?
2: So I'll play bass or guitar. Nice. I'm better. I can read bass a lot better than I can guitar. Right. But,
0: yeah. Um, did you have, like, a lot of amps around from, like, working Line 6? We
2: did. We had, like, uh, that was right when, like, the spiders were, like, really, really big. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like, only had Line 6 amps growing up. Um, but, yeah, he left He left there, like, five years ago, right when I started college, basically. Right. Um, and my mom, uh, she was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and she was, like, definitely, like, one of the best, like, home moms for us. Like, she, uh, she's incredible and I love her. Uh, and right now she's, uh, working to be a financial planner. Word. Yeah.
0: Heck yeah. Are you guys pals?
2: We are. Yeah. It's convenient that they're, they're super close. So I usually see them, you know, when I'm visiting Madeline, my girlfriend.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, which is nice. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll routinely talk probably, you know, once or twice a month.
0: Heck yeah, man. Yeah, where do you see pop music heading? Where what are like things about kind of where music is at right now that are very exciting to you, and what are things that are maybe insane?
2: Oh man, I don't know. It's that's like it's a it's a hard question. Just
0: yeah, I'll preface that with an
2: unfair (laughs) question. (laughs) I'll preface that this all with like just being twenty two and just starting my career in the industry. you know, don't I don't want to come off as sounding like I know the answers to any of this stuff. This is just from what I've observed. Hot takes, hot Shoot takes from the hip. Yeah, um, I think what's super fascinating right now is the idea of uh, like voice activated interfaces. Um, so what? So like Alexa's and HomePods oh, okay. and like CarPlay. Right. Uh, There hasn't been a time since, like, the keyboard and mouse, where there's, like, a new interface to, like...
0: Oh, right. To,
2: like, you know, connect with technology. Right. And if you think about what that does for music, it actually gets pretty interesting because you remove the screen from music. You remove a lot when you remove the screen. And uh, you're then focused on uh, trying to explain a song... Versus, I mean, so mood playlists, example, those have been built. So Spotify has seen this coming from, you know, a yeah. long ways away. So they have mood playlists so that you can say, like, play party music and it knows right. what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see down the line, like how music will kind of change, adapt, how it will adapt uh, with this kind of technological shift where, like, down the line, we'll be saying, play this and your technology will have to filter through and play the right thing. Yeah. And what that does to music and the way we market it, I think, is going to be, like, very interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, Wow, that's sick.
2: Yeah, and I think also, like, K-pop exploding is really interesting, especially amongst young uh, kids. Yeah. Uh, Because, think, when you're, like, eight years old, you you don't usually understand contemporary music to begin with. Right, yeah. Uh, so you're mainly just listening for, like, catchy melodies. Right, And cool sounds.
0: Yeah. Uh, And a country of origin is maybe, like,
2: means nothing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, like, K-pop's interesting because, like, every genre or every, like, section of the song is a different genre. Um, So you'll have, like, a pop verse and then, like, a trap pre-chorus. And then the chorus will be, like, this R&B, EDM, techno. You know, it's, like, it blends them all together. uh, But it's, like, booming in, like, young teenagers it's huge for them and uh i think we're finally getting to the place where like they have access to it and i think they've always like it always could have been really popular but we've now suddenly have like a global market where we could see uh how that affects and it's like very easy for like a teenager to discover bands in other countries yeah um and so seeing that effect i think is going to be really healthy because it'll just globalize the industry um, and I think at the end of the day that, uh, will as that's a healthy thing. Yeah. Um, but that's been something that I've just been like keeping an eye on. Word. Um, and then like, you know, Marshmallow did this like big concert in Fortnite that like broke records.
0: Oh, interesting. Uh, it was like
2: a virtual concert uh, wow. within Fortnite and, uh the intersection between music and gaming, I think is going to be interesting to see like what happens because like gamers listen to a lot of music, like a lot of music. Right. Yeah. Uh, And same with young kids. Like they listen to the most music out of any other age demographic. Really? Uh, And I don't think we tend to focus on that market as much, but there's a lot of hours that are spent there. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how we shift uh, now that we kind of are seeing that data. Um, But... Yeah, I mean who knows? It's crazy. There's I'm always surprised yeah. by the charts. Like, you know, I think we get a song like Old Town Road, like once every five years or something, where something right. blows up to that scale on like the internet, you know? Yeah. Um so but it's exciting to kind of be working in an industry that's kind of you always have to be on your toes in that way. Um to me that's exciting.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah, George. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for making the time. Yeah.
1: Happy Sad Happy Sad Happy Sad Happy Sad